Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. He had lived his life his way up until this point. And it was at this moment when he had gotten rid of everything by himself that he had to come to terms with God my way. find this message encouraging. Last week we started a message and basically all I did was get through the introduction. And uh, so I think I had some people scared. I don't think they heard me say that I, it was just going to be the introduction. I think they were thinking I was going to go on into the message, but I had to kind of set the context. And last week uh, we were talking about Jacob. And Jacob is the patriarch of Israel and, and uh, the, the nation of Israel. And sometimes what we do is we read our Bibles and we put these people up on these huge pedestals. And, oh, if I was just like that, if I could just have their faith, if I could just be kind of set up like they were. And basically last week I took the whole time to talk about that and dispel that whole thing. If you were here, then you realize Jacob and his family put the dysfunction in dysfunctional family. I mean, we, we talked about it. The parents were playing favorites and all this kind of stuff. The brothers were at odds even from birth. They were twins, and Jacob was born with his hand on Esau's heel, and, and basically Jacob meant supplanter or a cheater, literally. And so he spent his whole life up to this point as a deceiver, somebody who uh, would finagle his way through things and that's how he 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 stole the stole the birthright from Esau with a pot of stew Esau's starving it wasn't just like he was a little bit hungry he was actually starving and and he thought close to death and so he used that pot of stew to say give me your birthright and he said what good is it to have a birthright if I'm dead from hunger and so that was the deal that he made. Then later on, he deceived his father and received Esau's blessing. So we talked about all that last week. If you weren't here and you want to go back and listen to that message, uh, Zach is doing a great job of putting that on Facebook and YouTube and as a podcast. Uh, it drops every Wednesday, in case you hadn't picked up on that so far uh, the last several weeks. He drops that on, on Wednesday mornings. Uh, so you can kind of plan on when it's going to be there for you to listen to. So if you do podcasts and you want to go subscribe through the Apple Store or Google Play, you can find us at FWC Beaumont, also YouTube, uh, FWC Beaumont, and Facebook. So you can go back and, and catch that. So basically, here we are. Jacob has come full circle, and he had to run off because Esau was going to kill him, and he ran off to his uncle, and he kind of cheated his uncle a little bit. They were, that was when two cheaters, two deceivers met one another, and I still, in reading this over and over and over again, I don't know who got the better of who. Uh, Laban uh, benefited from Jacob, and Jacob benefited from him, kind of each, each other's expense. But basically what happens is he gets to this point where Laban is kind of fed up with it, and Laban's kids are... All of his sons are saying, Jacob has cheated our dad. What are we going to do about this? So Jacob kind of got his ear to the ground, and he says, this is not going to work much longer. I've got to get out of here. Where can I go? The only thing I can do is go back home. Now, he has been gone for 20 years. A little over 20 years he's been gone. And in this time, he's gotten two wives, two concubines, and uh, 
bunch of kids, bunch of stuff at the expense of Laban. So he comes to the, the idea, I've got to go back home, but that's Jacob's territory. So what can I do? The last time I saw him, he said he was going to kill me. Here I am. So what he does is, packs up all of his stuff, heads out, gets to the river Jabbok, and he sends everybody and everything across. He sends his servants across with tons of of stuff. It was uh, 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 camels, 50 cows, and 30 donkeys. Okay? Put a little pen to paper right there. If that's what he was giving away, Jacob had been very blessed. Okay? And he sends his servants with all these things and says, hey, uh, Esau, Jacob is right behind us, ready to meet you, looking forward to it. Okay, there's more on the way. So every time a group of servants would come, finally he sends his family across the river, and he's alone. Okay, so this is where we take up. We're in Genesis chapter 32. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took all of his wives, took his two wives and his two servants' wives, uh, as two servant wives, that's the concubines, and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions, everything he had. And this left Jacob all alone. So he's, he's there all alone, got plenty of thoughts to think, wonder what's going to happen with Esau. And all of a sudden, here comes a man. Now, the God-man that is in this, we don't know if it was God himself, if it was an incarnate Christ, if it was an angel. It never really... The idea is never really presented, but it's, it's a God or his representative. We'll put it that way. And this man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not uh, win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. Now, that's important. He's asking this guy to bless him. Very significant. We'll talk about it later. The man says, what is your name? <clears throat> now, this is, where, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you are. And by him saying, my name is Jacob, it was him getting to the point that he realized who he was in his life. I am a deceiver. Surplanter is what it really means. That's somebody that overthrows someone else, and so literally means deceiver. And so he asked him, what is your name? I'm a deceiver. So here he is all alone, thinking his own thoughts. This guy comes, wrestles him, touches his hip, and handicaps him for the rest of his life, and he has to admit, I am a deceiver. And so this angel, this God-man here, says, your name will no longer be Jacob. Okay, you're no longer going to be called a deceiver. From now on, you'll be called Israel. And Israel means God prevails, or literally, God wins. Okay, in the vernacular of today, it is God wins. And so you realize, here's this Jacob, he's been a deceiver, he's kind of lived life his own way. He sang that Frank Sinatra and Elvis song, I did it my way, up until this point. (laughs) 
and he has to admit that his way was not probably the best way and gets a little name change. And basically, every time he says what his name is from this point on, instead of being reminded that he's a deceiver, he's reminded God wins. So, and he says, from now on you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God. And we, we talked about that last week. He didn't really fight with God. He struggled with God. He wrestled with God. It's like I talked about last week. All of us have probably spent time in, in the floor with our kids or our grandkids. And, oh, they're fighting. They're giving it everything they got. And, you get, you know, you're faking it. You're, oh, oh. And you let them get you down. And, and then finally you kind of show them who's, who's the boss and that you're the one that's more powerful. And that's what God did here. So he said, you'll be called Israel because you fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said to this God man, this angel or whoever he was. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob called the place Peniel, which means the face of God. Now, some, some translations call it Penuel, and some play, uh, versions call it Peniel. But either way, it's the face of God. I saw the face of God, or I see the face of God is the difference in that. For he said, I have seen God's face, or God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping. I know all about that one. Because of the injury to his hip. And even today, the people of Israel won't eat the tendon near the hip socket because what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip, okay? That tells you a little tradition that goes along with the Jewish faith. So, basically, what we've got here is wrestling lessons. Let's pray over the message, then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you are to us. Lord, this morning, as we look hard at your word, I'm praying that you would open our hearts, open our minds, and Lord, would you just write indelibly on our hearts the things that we need to know. Would you guide us in every way? And, Lord, we just thank you for meeting us here and being with us and talking to us through this love letter that we call the Bible, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So basically, here's Jacob left all alone. He's on the banks of Jabbok, which is important because where he was, that river, Jabbok, means emptying. So Jacob had run his course. He had done everything he could do, and he had basically reached the point that he was empty. Okay? All these names and places and things in the Old Testament have a whole lot of significance. So whenever you're looking at one of these, these related stories, then what we need to do is look at everything about that. Again, the pineal means facing God. Uh, Jabbok means emptying out. So he had reached the end of himself, and here he was. His, his fate was no longer in his hands. Now, he had reached this point when he crossed the river, and he'd already sent over all of his servants, all of his stuff, all of his kids and his wives and everybody. And when he reached the point of crossing this river, in his mind, he was looking at, boy, I'm, I'm, entering, I'm going to be entering into Esau's territory. And that's true. But as far as God's perspective was, he was doing something much, much more important because when he crossed that river, he was going to be getting into the promised land. 
Now, because his, Esau's, uh, Isaac's blessing had fallen on him and not on Esau, then guess what? It really and truly was his territory. It was the land that God had promised for Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. So in, in, in Jacob's mind, in Israel's mind here, he said, I'm entering into Esau's territory, but from God's perspective, it was a whole bunch bigger than that. You're getting back where you're supposed to be. All these 20 years later. Now, we look at, at our lives, and you look at 20 years. That's a big chunk of life that he spent. He was roughly about 40 years old here, or a little older. And so he had spent a big chunk of his life doing it his way. He had reached the point of emptying, and he had faced God. So he was coming into the promised land. He was back where he should have been all along, back where God wanted him to be, and back where God could fulfill every promise that he had ever made to this nation that was going to be out of Jacob. Okay? So it was a very, very important thing. And so he's alone. He's wrestling with God. And you say, okay, preacher, good, good preaching. Good preaching. Thank you. Pat myself on the back. But how many times have we wrestled with God? Well, I've never really wrestled with God, not, not physically, no. But how many times have you wrestled with God emotionally? How many times have you wrestled with God spiritually? How many times have you been alone on a sleepless night? And maybe it was trying to figure out where you were in life. Maybe it was trying to figure out what's most important. Maybe it was the fact that you were struggling with God about doing it your way instead of his way. Maybe you were lying awake wrestling with God trying to figure out why sometimes bad things happen to good people. I think this year, among all years, has been a year for us to think about that a lot. Maybe it was that you were struggling with a call on your life, and God says, I want you to go this route, and you're thinking, no, God, I want to go this way. Middle of the night, wrestling with God. Maybe it was that you were trying to figure things out, and in our finite minds, sometimes we'll figure and figure and figure and figure, and we worry, and we lie awake at night instead of just giving it to him to begin with. And we take the cares of this world on us. And he says, cast them on me because I care about you. And so we have all at some point in our life wrestled with God. So how can we get past that? How can we learn from Jacob all those years ago wrestling with God in the middle of the night with a, uh, a stone for a pillow and out there in the middle of the wilderness about to cross into the promised land. How can we take some of this and learn what we're supposed to do when we have a time that we're wrestling with God? Glad you asked because <laughs> I just happen to have a few things I want to share with you. Number one, admit your way doesn't work. That's probably first and foremost. Admit that your way doesn't work. Um, see, here, here's the thing. Jacob, as he was coming into the promised land, he was doing it on his terms. You think about it. He left on his terms, and he was planning on coming back on his terms. 
I cheated Esau. I got his birthright. I got his blessing. Now I got to hightail it or he's going to kill me. I left on my terms. I went and spent these 20 years with Laban and I got blessed and my, my flocks grew and here I am a very powerful and rich, if you want to call it that, rich person. And now I'm going to come back because I got to hightail it because Laban's on my tail. And, and here's the thing. He had lived his life his way up until this point. And it was at this moment when he had gotten rid of everything by himself that he had to come to terms with God. My way hasn't worked. Here he is, many, many years old. And was learning a lesson that some of us learn a little a little quicker in life. But here's Jacob with a big family, all this stuff going on, and he has to come to terms with my way doesn't work. Yeah, it might be working some ways. Yeah, I might have a little jingle in my pocket, and yes, I might have some things, some stuff and things, but ultimately, none of that matters because at the end of this life. We are all in that spot where Jacob is. Doesn't matter what accolades you have gained. It doesn't matter how far you climbed on that ladder. It doesn't matter what you have attained in this life. When we reach the end of this life, we will be alone with God. And Jacob needed reminding about that. What is really important in this life? I have sadly been with a lot of people as they spent their last minutes on this earth. And I have been with some people that had a lot of stuff and things, and I've been with some people that didn't have hardly anything. And you know what? The one thing that I have never seen is the people that had a lot of stuff. There wasn't one time that they came to out of their foggy haze that they were in and said, would you bring my bowling trophy from 1973? I'd like to be close to it when I leave this life. Would you bring that award that I got at work because I was the best employee and didn't miss very much time and I was all that? Not one time. Fact is, the only thing I've ever heard any of them ask for is would you make sure my wife or my husband or my son or my daughter is here? See, sometimes we get our priorities all out of sorts. And Jacob had had his for almost now, getting close to 60 years. He, had, he was out of sorts. He didn't know what priorities were about. And he didn't realize that where he was at with God was the most important thing that could ever happen to him. He was planning on coming into this promised land with triumphal entry. He was going to come across as a conqueror. And God said, uh-uh-uh. We got to have a talk here. And we got to figure it out. And so instead of a conqueror, Jacob came across the river Jabbok. A little bit less than what he was planning. He was still rich. God had still blessed him. God God had still put all those things in there. But it was a constant reminder every time he took a step, God wins. God wins. (laughs) And so sometimes we've got to take account of where we're at in life and we've got to admit that our way doesn't work. And when our way doesn't work, then the thing that we've got to do is say, okay, what do I need to do? 
What way do I need to follow? So God appears in this form of man and wrestles with him and, and, and teaches him a little lesson. Now, if you look up what, uh, again, he names him Israel. And it's that, that you have faced God and you've won. Uh, some, some translation, the King James, New King James says, now you're a prince with God. That's not the actual translation. It is that God wins, God prevails. And so the thing that we've got to realize is that in one single stroke, a wave of his hand, all of a sudden Jacob is reminded forevermore, God wins. Now that's pretty powerful stuff. He found out that he couldn't push God around that he couldn't cheat God, that he couldn't deceive God, that he couldn't do it his way anymore. Even though he'd done it for all these years, he, he came back to this point, and, and it's, we're reminded in so many different places that, um, that God, God is ultimately over it all. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 says, There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end leads to death. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. I have shared with you many, many times that in my life, there's about four times when I can distinctly remember thinking, I think I've got this figured out. And ultimately, my mind got changed every time. Okay? You may have had episodes like that too. I thought I had my life all planned out. I thought I had it figured out. And all of a sudden, God says, uh-uh, we're, going, we're heading in a different direction. So it's much, again, like us wrestling with our kids. God is so powerful that there's no way we can beat him, no way that we can prevail over him. It's that God wins. So ultimately, it comes down to this. When we are faced with ourselves, Ourselves and God and nothing else. You have to ask yourself, is there anything in this life that I am trying to do by myself? Sometimes we manufacture things. Have you ever realized that it's very, very easy for us to agree with God when it's something we want to do? Oh, we can hear just like that. But when the answer is no, or head in a different direction, or I want you to do this, and it's something we don't want to do. Excuse me? I'm not sure I heard you clearly. Oh, when it's something we want to do, it's, oh, yeah, we're just, we're just waiting at the ready. I mean, we're in that runner position. Okay, God, I'm just waiting on a word. And we get that word, and we take off. But what about when it's something you don't want to do? Sometimes we're very, 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 very slow to act. It may be a calling that God has put on your life. It may simply be witnessing to somebody that you have worked with or in your family or a neighbor that God has been telling you for years and whispering in your ear, you need to talk to them about me. I have shared with you, there's been times in my life when the Lord has spoken to my heart and given me direction to go and speak to people, and there, there have been times that I have not listened so easily. I've shared with you this one time, it was a church that was in, and I wasn't preaching yet, I was just helping out in the church, teaching Sunday school and some things like that. And there was this guy, and 
he got crossways with some over some things and left the church. And he was, you know, it wasn't ugly or anything. He just left the church. And I, I kind of knew why. And boy, one day I was busy. I was doing some stuff and, and, and I was coming by the road where they lived. And it was just like the Lord was in the truck with me. And I mean, it was insistent. You need to turn here and go see them. I never even took my foot off the gas. I got about two miles down the road, and my heart was beating out of my chest, and it was like, I've got to do this, or who knows what lies down the road ahead of me. So I turned around reluctantly, and I drove really, really, really slow back to their road, hoping that God would say, ah, never mind. (laughs) And uh, I have shared this story before, so some of you know it. I turned in that road and drove even slower down that road thinking that God would give me a reprieve. He didn't. So I pull in their driveway, looks like everybody's home. Rats. I walk up to the front door and I ring the doorbell. Ding, ding. Don't hear anything. Knock on the door. Ring the doorbell again. Nobody's home. So I'm like, I don't know if you have conversations with the Lord this way, but I do. I'm like, okay, what's this about? Why did you have me turn around and come back? Because you knew they weren't home. And this is what the Lord just dropped in my heart. He said, I knew they weren't home. I just wanted to see if you would. I just ended up in a puddle on their porch because I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. I came so close to being disobedient to God. And sometimes it's just the small things. And he says, if you'll be faithful in those small things, ultimately, I'm going to make you ruler over much. And the thing that we've got to realize is that this life, see, it wasn't about that guy. It was about me. It was about whether I would listen to the voice of the Lord. It was about whether I would do what God was calling me to do. There may be some people in here, maybe you have wrestled all your life with a calling to preach. And let me tell you, I've wrestled with that one myself. And it's not an easy thing. Maybe it's to be a missionary. Maybe it's to be a missionary where you are. I've, I've always said, you've heard me from the day that I came here. You share the gospel where you are and you send it where you can't go. We're all missionaries. That's why I got that sign made that's on the, this side of the fence that says you're now entering your mission field. Because, you know, it was, it was Jerusalem and Samaria and to the Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is, this is our Jerusalem. And then there's Samaria. And then we go out from there. And sometimes Samaria, see, the, 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 the Jewish people didn't want to go to Samaria because they didn't like them. They were half-breeds. They didn't think they were up to par with them. So they didn't want to go to, to Samaria Sometimes we leave this little fence and, and we're in Jerusalem and then we drive through Samaria and we don't want to stop and talk to anybody about the Lord. Y'all have gotten awfully quiet on me here. What is it in your life that you have struggled with wrestling with God? Maybe it's to do it your way. 
Maybe I, I know all those principles that we talk about on Sunday morning, but there's a disconnect. At 12, I clock out, and I'll clock back in next Sunday morning about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Maybe it's struggling to do things God's way. Maybe it's struggling to do it our way, and, and we continue, and we struggle, and we struggle, and we struggle, and life seems to be a burden. It seems to be an effort. Why? Because you're doing it your way. Jacob struggled all this time. You look at all the things that he went through, and you can read in these few chapters, 25 through about 32 here, maybe a little further. Until Jacob started doing it God's way, he was the deceiver. And he, he, he was getting blessed, but it was tough. There were lots of things continually coming up. And the thing is, sometimes we've got to surrender it all. We've just got to say, okay, God, here I am. Forget about all the stuff. Forget about all the things. Forget about all the people that are around me. God, I'm yours. And by accepting that name Israel, he was accepting God wins. Number two, you've got to believe that God is sufficient. Now, Jacob knew that he was the blesser. He knew that he was the person that all the blessings came from. But basically, he still relied on himself as much as anything. God, and, and what God had to do here was prove that he was the more powerful. fact is, it's pretty interesting. He asked this, this angel man, this, this God man, to bless me. And that's very, very significant. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7, you can look this up for yourself. It says, without a doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. So the principle is, you don't ask somebody to bless you if you don't think they've got more, able to do more, abundantly and above you. So what happened was, he admitted his way wouldn't work. What is your name? It's a deceiver. I'm going to change your name. Okay. Now bless me. And by him doing those two things, he was confessing his sin. I'm a deceiver. Now, because I know that you're God, and I know that you're more powerful than me, and you've already touched, just touched my hip, and it will no longer be the same, bless me. Jabez in the Old Testament, when his prayer, and it seems it's this big long list of genealogy and, and talking about who begat who begat who begat who. And if you're like me, and I started in the Old Testament, I, when I first came to the knowledge of the Lord, I decided I'm going to read this Bible because it is evidently very, very important. And so I started in the beginning, and when I'm, you know, the, the creation was pretty interesting, but then when I got to the begat, 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 and I'm like, is this supposed to be interesting? Is this supposed to make sense to me? Now, I realize that the Bible, after that, I realize that the Bible's not like an ordinary book. You don't necessarily turn to the beginning and start there. fact is, I tell people, if you're going to pick up a Bible for the first time, go read the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 is going to tell you a whole bunch about this whole thing. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, is what the CEV translation says, and I love that. The Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. It is so awesome to think about 
the eternity of Christ and the fact that he became flesh and moved down here with us so that he could show us the way. So the, the thing is, you've got this long, endless genealogy. And here, all of a sudden, comes this guy named Jabez, and it's, it, it tells us a prayer that he prayed. It doesn't really do much other than that. And then it goes back to the endless genealogy. And his prayer was, bless me indeed. Seems like a selfish prayer. Fact is, if, if we were judging prayers, we'd probably say, ah, you need to pray for somebody else and not yourself. But Jabez was, God, would you bless me indeed? It's us admitting we can't do it ourselves. We cannot fabricate this thing. We cannot do anything without him. We are nothing. But Paul says through him we can do all things. Why? Because he strengthens us. Amen? So the thing that we've got to do is admit that. And that's what Jacob was doing by saying, would you bless me? He was admitting that he was powerless and that God was powerful. He was admitting that he couldn't do it, but that he could, with God's help, do all things. So he was humbling himself. He was coming before God and exalting him and saying, you've got it all. Would you just bless me? Would you give me a little pinch of what you got? So he admitted his way didn't work, and then he was telling God, I know that you're sufficient for everything. So that, that night, as Jacob was admitting that he couldn't, that God could, that he was admitting that, that he needed something that he couldn't fabricate in and of himself, that there was no way that he could cheat, lie, and steal his way into it like he'd done everything else, he was coming into it and saying, God, I want to do it your way and not my way. And so... God touched his hip. And sometimes we look at that story. I know you've all read this. I know you've all heard it just like I have. It's probably one of the most famous wrestling matches that there's ever been. There's people from all walks of life that know about Jacob wrestling with God. And so what was he doing? He was giving Jacob a reminder of his power, but more than that, of his mercy and his grace. Again, every step that he took from that day on, it's just like, you know, the Apostle Paul, who could have gotten high and mighty in himself. He, uh, God spoke to the Apostle Paul, and he said, my grace is sufficient. Here we are. God is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes we just need, need to be reminded that he's God, and we're not. I used to do a lot of counseling, and sometimes, on rare occasions, I've only done it a few times, but one of the suggestions that I would give to people is the next time we meet, I would like for you to have your resignation filled out as the general manager of the universe. Because <laughs> sometimes we put ourselves in that job, and it's not ours. We want to be the general manager of the universe. We want everybody to do this and so, and this and that, and this time, and this is what it needs to be. And guess what? That job is already filled. Sometimes we just need to turn in our resignation as the general manager of the universe. God, you're God, and I'm not. Jacob had been the general manager of the universe, pro tem, <laughs> for a little while. And this night, he, he resigned. He gave his resignation. So, again, it's awfully easy for us to believe God is sufficient. On a Sunday morning, woo, 
we've had worship. We've looked at the Word. God's sufficient. But what about on Monday? When you come in and first thing the boss is... What about Monday evening when we're fighting all this traffic? Oh, boy. (laughs) What about when the bill comes and there's not enough money in the bank to pay it? What about when everything starts going the opposite way of what we had it planned or how we had it figured out or even what we would assume how it would go? Is God sufficient then? What about when you're alone and everything's kind of gone away? I didn't know what had happened over there. (laughs) What about when we're all alone in the middle of the night and we're wrestling with God? Is he all sufficient then? Now, I am not near done with this message. Okay? (laughs) Somebody said we can tell. (laughs) But we'll finish it up next week. But today, like Jacob, maybe maybe, maybe you've done this before. I'm not making any assumptions. But maybe there's somebody here that's never realized that if we can't turn to God, there ain't nobody else to turn to. It's what Jacob did this night that we read about. All alone, by himself, trying to figure it out, wrestling with God over what he knew in his heart was what God's plan was for his life. Just say, God, my way ain't working. And I know you're sufficient.